I continue to, to, to try to achieve, you know, I keep trying to press what's possible, try to find new challenges and continue my growth. And, and it's because of other innovators that, you know, that kind of light the way. Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast this week is Aaron Hale, 14-year veteran, military chef, explosive ordinance disposal, EOD team leader, and the founder of Extraordinary Delights. When Aaron reached out to me about the possibility of sharing his story on Seek the Joy podcast, I was so blown away by his journey and his courage. I knew that without a doubt we had to have this conversation. We had to make this happen because despite everything that Aaron has been through, he has pushed past and embraced adversity, pursued his passions, and ultimately he's built and cultivated a life that he loves and that brings him joy. In this week's new episode, Aaron shares with us this incredible journey that he's been on because after serving 14 years in both the Navy as a chef to the commander of the U.S. Sixth Fleet and then going on to becoming an Army team leader in one of the military's most dangerous jobs, the Explosive Ordnance Disposal Unit, Aaron Hale was blinded by an IED. Not letting his injuries hold him back, he became an EOD instructor, motivational speaker, mountain climber, whitewater kayaker, and marathon runner. But four years later, tragedy struck again when he contracted bacterial meningitis, which robbed him of his hearing, leaving him not just 100% blind, but completely deaf as well. In this week's new episode, Aaron shares with us this journey and this story and what it was like facing this IED explosion that ultimately changed his life forever. And then making the decision to pick himself up and dust himself off and continue to choose and chase the best of what this life has to offer. We talk about launching and creating EOD fudge after overcoming bacterial meningitis and the inspiration behind his company and the kind of impact that he wants to have. We talk about the purpose, therapy, and joy that he's found through cooking and how he's really chosen healing through his joy. Plus, Aaron shares with us the power of resilience and mindset, what it means to really overcome adversity and embracing acceptance in the face of the unknown. We talk about his biggest dream and so much more. I am so happy that I had this conversation with Aaron and I left it feeling so inspired and motivated. And it reminded me so much too of the mission and the purpose behind Seek the Joy podcast. Today, Aaron is speaking and sharing his story. He's running marathons again, and he's a proud husband and father of an eight-year-old son and two identical boys. And he's running this thriving chocolate company with his wife, Michaela, Extraordinary Delights. I am so excited to share this episode with you guys, and I cannot wait to hear what you think. You are such an important part of this conversation. So make sure to join us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere, and you guys know what to do. Subscribe to Seek the Joy Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating and review and share this episode with your friends or anyone that's ready to feel inspired. 
All right, guys, that's it. Let's dive into this week's new episode with Erin Hale of Extraordinary Delights. Let's start at the beginning, maybe before Extraordinary Delights, before your handcrafted fudge and everything you're doing. Where where did your story begin, Erin? Well, uh, it really starts uh, in school, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I was I was born with a very common human handicap, which was uh, natural ability to, you know, having enough natural ability not to really have to put a whole lot of effort into most things, just to be above average. Yeah. And that it, I I see it as a handicap because you know, you know when you have natural ability. So many times we rely on that, and then all of a sudden our peers pass us by, and that's exactly what happened uh, in in elementary, middle school, high school. I was on the sports teams. I did fairly, you know, I did pretty well in school, and then all of a sudden one day everybody was passing me by because I wasn't trying. I didn't really have a whole lot of dire- direction or ambition. I got to college. I gained like fifty pounds. Um, I got, you know, that's, that's the thing, right? Freshman 50. Yeah. Um, yeah. Change it to 50 and, from 15 for sure. <laughs> right. So, uh, I, I had to, do, I had to, I had to find my direction. Um, you know, after three semesters of just, you know, goofing off, uh, I decided I needed to take more action, uh, and take charge of my life. So I joined the Navy and I'd been cooking since I could reach over the mm-hmm. counter so I I decided to be a, a chef in the Navy. I'd get my GI Bill, do four years and get out, and I'd go to culinary school. And I had a plan. And then eight years later, I'm still in the Navy, and I was loving it. I'd found a purpose. I I found my you know uh, patriotism and direction, discipline, and I was loving it. So uh, within a couple of years of being in the Navy, I uh, I made my way to the Admiral's uh, mess, uh, three-star Admiral, the uh, commander of the U.S. Sixth Fleet in Gaeta, Italy. And he's the, the head honcho for all naval forces in the Mediterranean and up and down the west coast of Africa. And uh, I was cooking for him and his staff, and it was, it was, it was an amazing wow. experience. We were home-ported in Gaeta, Italy, which means... Uh, you know, it, when we're in port and we're not, you know, working normal business hours, the admiral would, uh, you know, go home at four o'clock. I never had to make uh, dinner in port, so mm-hmm. I'd make breakfast and breakfast and lunch, hang on my uniform, and become an Italian for the rest of the day. It was awesome. <laughs> what a cool experience! Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I, I got to uh, immerse myself in culture, travel around Europe and the Mediterranean, both on and off duty. Uh, but then around. 2004, uh, it was time to head back to the United States, and both wars were in full swing. Mm-hmm. And I decided I wanted to do something a little more direct. So I volunteered to deploy as a Navy cook to Afghanistan, and I was I found myself running an army chow hall for instead of you know. The, the admiral and 25 or 30 mm. of his staff fo- to now cooking for NATO forces of five and 600. So um, it was, it was a big change. It was a big, a big difference. 
Oh, and uh, funny enough, coincidentally, uh, on our base, there was a few platoons of Italian special forces. So I got to speak my lingo. I got to speak the Italian I learned um, <laughs> all the way in Afghanistan. But uh, uh, that's when I met some EOD technicians, explosive ordnance disposal. And that's the military's bomb squad. And it didn't take me long to figure out that this is what I was meant to do. Uh, the tight knit community, the the first responders uh, on our battlefield that take those those explosive hazards like unexploded ordnance mm-hmm. on the battlefield, buried landmines, the IEDs, car bombs, all that kind of stuff. Everything from bullets to nuclear weapons, we were the first responders, and that's what I wanted to do. The only problem was the Navy liked me as a cook too much and said I could not switch to EOD. So my contract was up and I did not re-enlist. I walked over to the Army recruiter. I showed him my paperwork and I went from a petty officer to a sergeant. Wow. And then I trained to be a bomb technician. And soon enough, I found myself uh, deployed to Iraq. And then uh, almost a year later, I, I deployed against Afghanistan. This time in 2011, I was a team leader, and Army EOD teams are usually three-person teams, and I was I was taking those explosives off the off the battlefield. In November of 2011, I was eight months into the deployment, and I'd just gotten back from my two weeks of R and R vacation back home. I'd uh, gotten to see my son, Cameron, turn one. I got to spend Thanksgiving with the family, which has always been one of my most special, my favorite uh, holidays. And then I was right back out on the battlefield to finish my deployment. And still with the luggage in the back of the truck, the team truck, my my team was driving me from the airfield. and We were heading back out to our area of operation when a uh, IED was found on the side of the road. So the com- uh, convoy commander, you know, set up a security position and we got to work. I sent the robot out and the robot found what we found most of the time in Afghanistan was a simple uh, oil jug, like you know, vegetable oil you would find in your kitchen, mm-hmm. but it was, it was full of homemade explosives and a simple lampshade, uh, lamp cord wire uh, connected to a pressure plate made out of a couple pieces of uh, plywood. So the, the robot separated the, the components, but it couldn't get the explosives out of the hard-packed dirt. And I needed to collect uh, as much evidence as I possibly could. Uh, we're, we'd try our best to collect evidence that way we can, you know, go, you know, do the CSI thing. Mm-hmm. We, we collect biometrics, uh, explosive, uh, chemical analysis, uh, electronics analysis, all that kind of stuff. So we can catch the bomb makers before they can emplace them. Uh, unfortunately, as, uh, um, since the robot couldn't get the, the rest of the evidence out, I had to jump out of my truck and I I started approaching so I could get it. And about 20 or 30 meters from the original IED, there was a secondary device. Mm. Uh, Hadn't yet been detected and I found it with my foot. I don't know how, but the blast just caught me in the head. 
but it knocked me off my feet, sent me into the air, and I went sprawling onto my knees and elbows, and the lights went out. I, uh, it was completely dark, but uh, I thought my, my helmet had got pushed over my face yeah. from the blast. So the first thing I, I did was a, a, a systems check. I wiggled the fingers and toes, uh, knees and elbows, and make sure that everything was still there. And it seemed uh, okay. So I reached up to grab my helmet to adjust it and get back to work when I found that I didn't have a helmet anymore. And that's when I thought, oh, no, this is bad. Wow. Uh, the army. The army is going to want that helmet back. But, uh, <laughs> You're worried about the helmet in that moment. It's it's funny what goes through our minds, but right. the, the army army did send me a bill later. Uh, <laughs> wow. Anyways, uh, my team was quick to respond, and they pulled me out of the danger zone. The medevac chopper was there in just minutes because we were weren't far from the airbase that yeah. I just left from. And within 48 hours, I was in Walter Reed and trying to figure out how I was going to carry on uh, in this new life that was completely devoid of light. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, was, it was an extremely difficult time. Uh, I spent about five weeks at Walter Reed, uh, uh, multiple surgeries, and they tried to save one of my eyes, but it, uh, it didn't happen. So uh, I had to learn how to be blind and I did not want to be one of those uh, one of those twenty two we lose each day. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be I didn't want to be a, a service member that was feeling sorry for himself, sitting on the couch and popping pills for the rest of his life. So even though the the demons those those what ifs the why me's kept trying to cr- creep in, uh, I was I was um, determined to make the best of my situation. So I sought out mentors, those that have gone before me. I found a, uh, I found that a blind person had climbed Mount Everest. Wow. Uh, a blind man had kayaked in a solo boat the entire length of the Grand Canyon. If these guys could do amazing feats like this, I could stay off my butt. Mm-hmm. I found both of those men, and I've gone mountain climbing. In fact, last weekend I went mountain climbing with that same guy. Wow. Uh, uh, I've gone whitewater kayaking with Lonnie Bedwell, and I continue to, to, to try to achieve. You know, I keep trying to press what's possible, try to find new challenges and continue my growth. And, and it's because of other innovators that you know, kind of light the way. So, uh, in as a side, kind of a side effect of getting ready for mountain climbing and staying fit, I began running. Mm. And before before I knew it, I was running. Uh, I, I was signed up, actually registered for four marathons in four months before I'd run my first one. Wow! And in 2015, I ran the Boston Marathon. So, I mean, I was, I was flying pretty high. I was yeah. feeling great about my situation. I was actually very happy. It is, it turns out it was, it, it was taking, it was a dis, uh, it was my disability that was the catalyst for hard work. Yeah. And it got me beyond just, uh, you know, average, you know, getting by to finding, you know, new potential in my, myself. But 
uh, summer of 2015, I uh, was knocked to the mat again. Mm. My, the damage uh, in the blast not only took my eyes, it blew out both my eardrums and did extensive damage to my, my right ear. Um, and it also cracked my skull and my sinuses so that I was leaking spinal fluid right out of my nose. Wow. The doctors had patched it up, but I guess it either didn't take or reopened. And in 2015, I contracted bacterial meningitis. And I was sent right back to the hospital. And for, for weeks, I mean, it almost killed me. Uh, but in the course of that time when I was in the hospital, either the antibiotics, heavy doses of antibiotics, yeah. or the meningitis itself stole what was left of my hearing leave me completely blind, completely deaf, and even uh, took uh, a, a lot of my uh, inner ear balance, mm -hmm. that vestibular balance. So um, all of the tools and techniques that I'd learned to be uh, and navigate, uh, make my world accessible, almost all of them were audio-based. Yeah. So now I didn't, didn't have my podcast. I didn't have mm -hmm. audio books. I couldn't read my emails or, frankly, almost anything. I also could not uh, get on the treadmill because the balance issue. I was actually using the trekking poles that I use in the mountains yeah. to just get to my mailbox and back. And that was an exhausting exercise. So, again, the demons tried to get in uh, the what ifs, the why me's, mm -hmm. and the, you know, the, the, that feeling like, when have I paid my dues? When, have, right. when, 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 is, when is it the next guy's turn? Again, like I'm, not, I'm not, not really written that way. I'm mm -hmm. not programmed that way. Mm -hmm. Plus, I had the most amazing. I have the most amazing family. My my mom, my sister, came to uh, nurse me back to health. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, was there every minute. Uh, because I couldn't see or hear, there was no way for me to communicate with anybody. So she was writing every letter of every word into the palm of my hand of everything she had to say. It was incredibly tedious, incredibly frustrating. But that was the only way I could get a message in. Yeah. So I did what anybody in my situation would do. I started a chocolate company. <laughs> well, I mean, before we even get to the chocolate company... I want to rewind a little bit because through every stage and phase of this journey, you've picked yourself back up. You've fought against those demons, as you refer to them, that that those words and those feelings and that, that come into your head of why me and I don't want to keep doing this. And you didn't want to be that person who just, you know, sat on the couch and, and didn't do anything with their lives. I can imagine it required like a level of acceptance and embracing the new life that you that you had to live, whether it was losing your eyesight or your hearing, how did you step in to that level of acceptance and just say, all right, this is this is me now. This is what I'm going to do. Well, Sydney, frankly, the alternative just was not attractive at all. Yeah. What what is there to do but just sit there for the rest of my life, however long that may be, and do nothing? Yeah. If you're not moving forward, if you're not growing, then I think you know, there's a there's a business saying. Uh, Ray Kroc from McDonald's says, "If you're if you're not green and growing, then you're brown and dying." Hmm. And that's um, true for just about everything. If you're not building upon past successes, if you're not picking yourself up and going, 
then then the opposite is true, and you're deteriorating. So, uh, I mean, think about you know, the, the last time you took too long off from the gym or, it, you know, it's mm-hmm. just that much harder to get back into it. And so uh, I, it, the, the, the holidays were, uh, were coming again, and it was, it was Thanksgiving time. We invited the, the, the friends and family uh, to, 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 to have a huge feast. And even though I couldn't see her here, yeah. I knew I could still, I could still cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was all just out of muscle memory. I knew what was going on and I started cooking. We made this huge spread and, uh, weeks in advance, I started making desserts because it was just something I could, I mean, I could do. And we were, I was making cookies and cakes and, and pies and all this fudge. I was every, every batch of fudge, I would start after one, I'd start another one and I'd do different flavors and mm-hmm. I would throw, throw nuts and spices. I'd even dump a little alcohol in there. This is going to be great. <laughs> and uh, Michaela, my wife, saw that I was going a little overboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said she noticed something on me that she hadn't seen in six months since uh, I'd gotten out of the hospital. And that was that was a smile on my face. Mm. So she took, she was taking some of this fudge and she was sneaking out the front door. And I say sneaking, like you gotta be real stealthy <laughs> around a blind deaf guy. But, oh. uh, uh, yeah. Um, and people were coming back and she was giving it away, uh, to, you know, neighbors and friends and people were coming back and saying, can we buy more of this? And the capitalist in me said, of course you can. <laughs> and so Extraordinary Delights or EODFudge.com was born. Amazing. Uh, you know, a little tip of the cap to my EOD background this time uh, will be an expert in, in confections. Wow. So you returned to cooking and baking and making your fudge and you returned to it right away. It sounds like there wasn't like a long gap or, or period of time. Well, it started off as therapy. It was my way of taking my mind off mm-hmm. of things. And frankly, sometimes all you have to do is get busy at something. Whatever it is, if you're if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling down, sad about something, just do something because you just sit there and it's going to spiral. Uh, so. I started doing what I knew I still could do. And even though my balance was, was mm-hmm. still terrible, I'd, I'd stir the pot with one hand and I'd hold on with an iron grip to the countertop of the other. And I, mm-hmm. I just, just do what I knew. I started cooking. You mentioned that it was like therapy, that it was therapeutic for you. How important has that therapy, that outlet, how, how important has it been on this healing journey that you've been on? It sounds like it's been everything for you. Well, absolutely. It's extremely therapeutic. It's a daily thing. I still cook. Uh, Even though uh, we started EOD out of the home kitchen, we've since moved into a commercial kitchen Mm -hmm. and uh, but I'm still the the, the daily cook uh, of the family. I make all the meals, hmm. and it's not just uh, a utility. You know, it's not just because everybody needs to eat, but it's also my me time mm-hmm. uh, during the day. It's meditative. You know, it's my Zen time. 
I understand exactly what you're saying about having something that you love to do that keeps you busy, that takes your mind off, right, of the difficult things that inspires you, that keeps that smile, you know, on your face. I, I love what you shared that Michaela noticed something different about you, that smile, that smile returned, you know, after all of this time and everything that you've been through. What what do you do today to keep that smile on your face? Are you back out and running? And I think you just ran a ultra marathon, I think you shared with me. So so what are some other things that you love to do that, that keep that smile on your face? Well, it's, a, it's the same thing I preached about before losing my uh, hearing. It was it was, it was the resilience thing, bouncing mm-hmm. back. And it, people describe resilience as kind of like a rubber band where you, know, you stretch and it, and it comes back and you bounce back. But humans aren't rubber bands. Every time we experience stresses, we get stronger for them. We learn, we adapt, our muscles grow. You know, by you know, lifting weights, they don't get back to we, we break down the, the the muscles and they don't come back to the same thing they grow bigger to adapt and we become more resilient and even though i'd uh, been uh, you, know, you know lightning had struck twice i had to put my basically put my money where my mouth was mm-hmm. and and live that uh, you know the same passions that i had to, to live the same philosophy i'd already been Preaching, I already been living when I, you know, after the IED blast, and I, I attribute a lot of it to my military training. You, you have a mission to complete, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what the conditions. You still have to uh, soldier on. Mm-hmm. And I'm a father, I'm a husband. I still have responsibilities. I still have a duty to be the best me I possibly can. And it's not just about me. My life doesn't belong to just me. Mm. So I, I can't use the excuse and I can't sit back and stop and give up. All right, guys, taking a brief break from this week's new episode to talk to you about something I'm really excited about and I'm really loving, which is our Seek the Joy Guide to Podcasting and our Seek the Joy Guide to Pitching Guests. I have been so overwhelmed and blown away by not only the response to both guides, but what you guys have already shared with me about the impact that they're having on your podcasting journey and my whole mission and focus with both guides is to really help you get your message off the ground and into the ears of the people that really need to hear it the most. And so I am just so excited to finally launch and share both of these guides and to see them in action as you begin to develop and grow and launch a podcast of your dreams. So head on over to seekthejoypodcast.com slash seekthejoyguides to check them out or hit that link in the show notes. It'll take you right there. And I'm excited to see where you go with this podcasting journey. All right, guys, without further ado, let's head back to this week's new episode. I was going to ask you earlier, you know, if you feel like you were born with this level of resilience or if it was a muscle that you had to build and train and develop over time. And it sounds like it's really something you almost had to throw yourself into. Like there isn't a choice. I have to be resilient. I have to, or I want to adopt my mindset. It sounds like it's something you've built over time and it's changed as your life has changed and what you've experienced has changed too. Well, we're all born with different 
uh, like I mentioned before, uh, we're all you know born with natural abilities, and some are built with more resilience than others. But at a certain point, uh, that doesn't that won't carry you through, mm-hmm. and you've got to continue to work to to learn and to grow. And, and I got a lot of it from my military training. I became more resilient, and it's a constant practice. I uh, attribute my deployment, my last deployment to Afghanistan, and being an EOD technician, uh, each EOD team is given an entire shipping container full of tools. Mm. I mean, one of those, you know, you know the, the, those huge connexes yeah. uh, full of bomb, bomb suits, uh, robots, and you name it, power tools. We got it all. And it's so we can defeat every single possible uh, hazard that's out there. But then you get deployed and you're given this armored truck and there's limited space. So you got to leave some tools behind and you got to pick what's most important to you. But then in Afghanistan, so much of our uh, our battlefield was just goat trails and dirt roads and you couldn't bring our trucks. So we were on foot. We were dismounted. And now I've got to figure out what's the most important thing I can bring and I can pack on my back. Mm. So it was, you know, after you find room for your, your water and food and extra socks, then I'd have a couple you know, blocks of C4, some rope and a grappling hook. And I got to figure out like a multi-tool. Uh, now I got to do everything um, I'm tasked to uh, without that huge shipping container, even my armored truck of tools, just what I have on my back and uh, the skills I've learned uh, in my training and rely on my team. I call it the tools you have in your kit. Mm-hmm. And it's the same now. I'm short a few tools, but I've got a great team of my family and friends and uh, various veteran service organizations. And, and, you know, I've got the skills I've learned through my life and I still have plenty of tools at hand and I can still do the job. Yeah, you absolutely can. I love what you said about tools because I often refer to this the same way as, as tools in our toolbox, the lessons, what we've learned along the way, the experiences we've had, the adversity, the hardships, but then also those moments of victory and joy and celebration. They're all tools in our toolbox and we take them with us, you know, as we continue on this journey. And and I, I I'm curious because you touched on the tools that you have right now, which is your support system, your community, your family, your friends, your business, your mindset. What has the impact of this community that you've built around you with your wife, Michaela, with your children? What has all of that meant to you as you've continued to thrive and grow and build a business? My wife is an angel. She's an absolute godsend. And I'm certain that if it weren't for the support of my family and, um, my wife and my children, then I would be in a much different place. It's not just my internal tools, but like I said, my also my team. Yeah. And and she's just just a terrific uh, administrator for the business because, um, frankly, while I'm the dreamer and I can cook mm-hmm. up the recipes, you know, somebody's got to you know we got to find out how to bring it to market. Yeah. Right? And she's. She's she's great about running the business, and um, I get to be you know a, a stay at home dad and mm-hmm. talk about uh, taking on challenges. Uh, she recently had uh, two you know identical twin 
boys. Oh uh, they're now about, they're now four months old. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, she says she has a hard time telling them apart. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's great. I get to, I get to play uh, Mr. Mom. And of course, I'm still chasing other challenges like uh, uh, marathons and mountain climbing. But of course, now uh, all of my training and the business and all that have to, uh, you know, be fit in around the, the sleeping and feeding cycles. Yeah, that must be really incredible to to keep pushing yourself to go out and train for these adventures that you're you're doing in these marathons, and and also have this really wonderful family and support system. So, how do you train? I mean, how do you prepare and complete these marathons and these adventures? It takes uh, really good habits. It takes discipline. Uh, it, it takes that determination. You know, I think of motivation as like caffeine. You get a great buzz, you get really motivated, and then it burns off. And what's left is you still have the work. Yeah. Discipline is your roughage. Those are your that's your vegetables in your diet. You know, discipline gets you out of bed at you know four thirty in the morning, so you can get up before the kids get your workout in. I I, I have this morning routine where I take time for me, a little uh, quiet time, a little meditation uh, and exercise. And I've built a pretty decent uh, home gym in the garage. And that morning uh, routine, hour, hour and a half is mine. Mm. I set after I've exercises, I set a little time to, uh, to read, to write. And uh, I jot down uh, my goals. And is if you, your journal, if you set goals and you're looking at your goals every day, then that stays, you know, in the forefront of your brain and, and things just get done so much better when you're, you're constantly, when you, you've always got your goals in mind. Yeah. But if you don't have your goals set, if you don't know what's going to happen from day to day, then you're inbox becomes a to-do list where everybody else gets a vote and, and and then you get distracted and all of a sudden the day's over so uh, i set goals for example running a marathon i've got one coming up in december mm. and even though if putting one hour uh you know piecing one whole hour together for for a you know a treadmill time is difficult with uh with the babies you know, you, you got to make it work mm-hmm I think your journey is definitely a testament in many ways to the power of mindset and the power to adopting a mindset um, that works in your favor, that pushes you. I love what you shared about motivation, about how it's like caffeine, but then you really need to choose, you know, activities or goals or, you know, just how you think or how you talk to yourself as a way to continue to meet those markers you've set for yourself or to meet those goals that you have or, or to keep you in that positive mindset. If there's anyone that's listening to this and is, you know, no doubt inspired by you and what you've been sharing and your journey, what would you say about the power of mindset in your life, but also for someone who? you know, wants to overcome obstacles in their own life and, and really adopt this, this mindset that you've adopted uh, for yourself. Well, thank you. Uh, I think, you know, setting, setting those goals, setting big, hairy, audacious goals is important, but then you got to break it down into manageable pieces. And as soon as you do that, you've got a, 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 you know, an order of business for the day. 
you know how people say that you can be your own worst critic. Mm-hmm. You can you can also be very you can also forgive yourself way too easily for not accomplishing goals. Mm-hmm. And so if you set those goals and you do them every day, and if you set say you know, uh, said something, you, you promise yourself you're going to do the same thing, one thing for the next 30 days. It becomes a habit, and then it's easier. Nothing in this world really does become easier. We just get better at mm. it. I love that. We just get better at it. I think that makes a lot of sense because as you keep working on something, as you push yourself, as you um, continue to learn a craft or a skill or just push yourself to put yourself out there in a new or different way, you just get better at at doing the things that you love and that you want to do. And it becomes a little less scary too. I think the more you practice at it and, you know, put yourself out there. Well, I'm just like, uh, another city, Cindy, uh, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot his name. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, there, another great speaker, uh, said that it's the confidence, confidence, confidence. Mm-hmm. The more competent you become with some, at something, the more confident you are and the more efficient you become and the better at it and the more tasks you can take on. You just got to work at it. Yeah. And speaking of competence and confidence, I mean, you've been cooking, right, your whole life. And what a journey this is taking you on being in the kitchen and and now being in your own kitchen and crafting um, extraordinary delights and your fudge. And what is the best part about running your business, about having this business, about being in the kitchen and crafting these treats? I mean, what's the best part about it? What have you loved the most? There's a as a creative gene, you know, in our family. My 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 brother, my my mom, uh, and a few others are are terrific artists, and most of them were the visual arts, painting, sketching, and whatnot. And my creative gene led me to the kitchen, hmm. and I love creating new things. I love experiencing. Uh, the, you know, the delicious flavors, and it's yeah. something that I can still I can still enjoy myself. But more than enjoying it myself, it's an extreme pleasure for me to share that with the others and to to to, to, to give them a little uh, pleasure themselves through my food. Mm-hmm. So when when I I make these uh, these candies, these these treats, the fudge, uh, I try to make it uh, the very best I possibly can so that uh, others may enjoy it. Yeah, and food is such a great connector. I mean, it brings people together over shared experiences and joy and laughter. And I'm curious because, I mean, we talked a little bit about this and the smile you had on your face when you when you returned to cooking and making fudge and, and being in the kitchen. Do you have like a go-to quote or affirmation or, or something that you hold on to um, to remind yourself of your motivation and why you're doing this? Is there something that that you hold on to or come back to in moments, you know, maybe of, of difficulty when you're having a hard day or, or even in moments of celebration? One of my favorite quotes is John Quincy Adams, who said, patience and perseverance have a magical effect before which difficulties disappear and obstacles vanish. Yeah. So I'm terrible at uh, quotes. <laughs> no, I can't that believe I got great. it through. Um, <laughs> ever since becoming my own case study in resilience, I, I've been reading up on the, the Stoics, and one of my favorites from Marcus Aurelius is uh, what impedes action advances action. Hmm. And what's in your way becomes the way. And 
I just take a look at all of the difficulties in my life, whether they're, they're, they're small or large, and I look at them as growth opportunities, learning mm-hmm. opportunities, opportunities to uh, show my, my sons that anything is possible. I love this. What's in your way becomes your way. And I think it takes us back to the very beginning of this conversation when you shared that, you know, growing up, you know, you just had this natural ability and things came easy to you. And then it really wasn't until you joined the Navy and and had these different experiences and, and ultimately these hardships that you found your way and you found your purpose and you found, you know, really who you are and you've built upon this resilience. And I, so I think this, this sums it up. What's in your way becomes your way and it's become your way. And you've built this incredible business and this family. And what do you think you've learned the most about yourself throughout this journey that you've been on? I believe it would, I, I may possibly find astonishing as every single day is the, the the human capacity for uh, for growth, for acceptance, for gaining new perspective, and and I love now instead of avoiding challenges, facing them head on and seeking out new challenges. It's become the way. Mm. It's become fun being uh, comfortable with uncomfortable. Yeah, you know when I. I started learning uh, how to kayak as a blind person. They took us all out to uh, a flat lake. And the first thing we learned how to do was rolls, you know, going underwater upside down. Oh, wow. And one of the, one of the, the, the guides, one of the instructors says, you got to be as uncomfortable underwater as above it hmm. because it's going to happen. You're going to be, you're going to get turned over. So go ahead and flip over and just enjoy it. Wow. So now I look at everything in my life as, you know, don't worry about the ups and downs uh, and don't, don't get worried about flipping over because you can get back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you absolutely can. Before we go, I've got to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on Seek the Joy podcast, and that's uh, what is your biggest dream? My biggest dream is a good life for my children. I do everything so that they are raised to be uh, good people. And my biggest goal, my biggest dream in life is to be a good example, a good teacher, a good coach, mentor. And that's really my driving passion. Aaron, thank you so much for having this conversation with me and coming on Seek the Joy podcast. And when you when you first reached out and I saw this video that you shared with me, I was really touched not only by your journey, but just this incredible ability you've had to continue to push yourself and and really hone in on this resilience and and show up in your life, you know, the way that you want to show up. So thank you for for doing this with me. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Where can everyone find you? Find EOD Delights, get some fudge and and just learn more. Um, Well, of course, uh, uh, your listeners can um, find us on social media at EOD Confections. And they can learn more about the story and, of course, buy some fudge at eodfudge.com. Perfect. And I'll include everything in the show notes. And just thank you so much again for for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me on. This was fun. 